Well, there are not many times in our lives when we are given an opportunity to embrace and to act upon it. Well, guess what? Today, everybody here is going to be given an opportunity. And I hope all of you embrace it and act upon it. Now, my sermon is going to explain just what this opportunity is, or I should say opportunities, plural, are. Part of the background of my sermon is going to be based on the scriptural reading from Corinthians that Roberta read always very well. The book of Corinthians is actually a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. To understand anything about the book of Corinthians, you should know a little bit about the city of Corinth as it existed at the time of Jesus. One only needs to look at a map to see why Corinth was important. You have northern Greece, and you have what almost looks like an island in southern Greece. And that, quote, island is really not an island because it is connected to upper Greece by a thin peninsula that's only four miles wide. On this peninsula was where Corinth was located. The location of Corinth made it inevitable that it was going to become one of the greatest trading and commercial centers in the ancient world. Most shipping traffic moving along the northern side of the Mediterranean Sea went to Corinth and through Corinth. If the ships were small enough, they would be simply put on rollers, rolled across the, uh, the peninsula, and on they went. If the ships were bigger, they'd come to one side of the peninsula, they'd unload all the cargo, take it across the peninsula, and then load it on another ship. Very, very heavy in commercial traffic. Well, Corinth, therefore, was a very prosperous city, and there was a lot of wealth held by its citizens. However, there was another side of Corinth that made it far more famous than its wealth. For you see, all this commercial traffic brought a lot of sailors to Corinth. I know a little bit about sailors. The sailors had money, and they wanted to spend it any way they could. Perhaps the best way to describe Corinth is that it was the Las Vegas of the Mediterranean. Just about anything a sailor wanted to do, he could do in Corinth. But of course, everything that happened in Corinth stayed in Corinth. Now, a church in such a setting would obviously reflect the wide diversity of its members. According to Paul, that diversity created divisions within the church in Corinth. Factions of the church wanted to follow different leaders, there was strife, arguments, and flat-out hatred among some of the members. There was also envy and strife among them. And as Paul would say, they were paying attention to the wisdom of the world and not the wisdom of God. In response to all of this, Paul writes the letter to the church in Corinth that we heard read today, or at least a part of it. I always hate to follow this lady by reading a part of the scripture that was read, but I'm going to, and bear with me. Just remember what she said. 
Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot would say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if I, if the ear would say, I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged members in the body, each one of them as he chose. All were a single member. Where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Well, the words that I have just read form one of the famous and most beautiful descriptions of the unity that a church should have. Paul was describing the church in Corinth as a body, not just any body, but the body of Christ. Theologian William Barclay described the workings of that body as follows. Christ is no longer in this world in the body. Therefore, if he wants a task done, he must find people to do it. If he wants a child taught, he must find a teacher to do it. If he wants a sick person cured, he must find a physician to do it. If he wants his story told, he must find a person to tell it. The church has to be the body of Christ, hands to do his work, feet to carry his task, and a voice to speak for him. St. Teresa of Avila described the meaning of the body of Christ beautifully in the 16th century. She wrote, Christ has no body but yours. No hands, no feet on earth, but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks, compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands with which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands. Yours are the feet. Yours are the eyes. You're the body. Christ has no body now but yours. No hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks, compassion on this world. Christ has no body on this earth but yours. There's a story that comes out of World War II. And the city, the French city of Strasbourg, which is right on the border of Germany, was totally destroyed by Allied bombing. And that included a cathedral. It was reduced to rubble, or so the people thought. But when they began to excavate the cathedral, they found a statue of Jesus, upright, intact, except for one thing. His hands were missing. So work began on reconstruction of the cathedral, and one of the sculptors there said, look, I'll volunteer my time. I will craft two hands and put it 
on the sculpture. He went to the church leaders and to the congregation, and they respectfully said, no, thank you. Why did they do that? Well, their answer was written down. Our broken statue touches the spirits of people. He has no hands to minister to the needy or feed the hungry or enrich the poor except our hands. He inspires. We perform. He inspires. We perform. It's a wondrous picture that is painted by Paul and these others, and that is that the members of the church are also members of the body of Christ. So Paul draws a picture of the unity that the church should have and exist within the church if it is to fulfill its proper function. A body is healthy and efficient if all of its parts are working properly. The parts of the body do not attack each other. They're not jealous of each other. They respect each other. They need each other to function. The words of the Apostle Paul were not just written for the church in Corinth thousands of years ago. They were written for this church, the neighborhood church in Palisades. The question now becomes, have we been acting as the body of Christ? Well, I think we are well on our way now to do so. But we've got a long ways to go, and we've got a lot of work to do. For the last two Sundays, David has referred to the document, Our Church, our church Culture, and I will do so for the last time today. If you take a look at it, it's printed in your order of worship. You will see the first six points deal with how we are to interact with each other on a personal basis. Numbers 7 and 8 deal at least in part with the governance of the church. That governance is an example of how various parts of the church can come together and work to fulfill the goal the goal of carrying on the ministry of Jesus as the body of Christ. However, the ninth and final point, it deals with just what Paul was telling the church in Corinth. It states, continue on our own spiritual journeys while supporting our shared ministries and working to enhance our church culture. We are all on a spiritual journey. We are all on a journey to know and understand God and to apply the teachings of Jesus in our everyday lives. We are therefore the members of one family in doing so. We are therefore the members of one body in doing so. Some journeys may reach that goal by different paths. However, each and every journey is to be respected, and the person taking it is just as important as any other. Just as the hand is no more important than the eye, so too none of us are more important in the seeking to be a part of the body of Christ. 
you stop to think about that for a minute, that brings up the opportunity that I talked about before I gave this sermon. It's time for the body of Christ that is Neighborhood Church to move forward. To accomplish what Jesus would have us do. So how do we do that? Well, I suggest that what we do is we build up this church. Just like when you work out and you build up your muscles. I'd flex, but I'd rip my suit. (laughs) Just as you work up to build up your muscles, work out to build up your muscles, by participating in this church, you build up the body of Christ. How do you do that? Well, I'm going to suggest five ways. First, attend church regularly. Experience the worship of God that is unique to the neighborhood church. Hear God's word. See how the teachings of Jesus should be brought in and can be brought in to your everyday life. Listen and partake in the beautiful music that is a trademark of neighborhood church. And remember, and do me a favor, pay attention to the words you're reading. Don't just kind of mm along. They're beautiful, and they have meaning. Participate in the sacraments that go on at this church, and you will become a real, you will realize and come to know that God is present in those sacraments, right here and right now, just as millions upon millions of Christians that have gone before you did. Bring a friend to church. This year, we're going to have several Sundays that will be entitled, Bring a Friend to Church Sunday. But why wait? Bring them next Sunday or the Sunday after that. Introduce them to your friends here. Give them a tour of this beautiful place. And I can assure you that David, Carl, and I will be more than happy to talk to them and share the story of Neighborhood Church with them. Number three, participate in the adult education classes that we will be having here. And we're going to be having quite a few of them. And I'm not sure, but I doubt there's going to be a big, long one, like the study of a book of the Bible that takes a year. They're going to be shorter, more concise, and more to the point. David, Carl, and I have always said You don't come to really know and understand God by just coming to worship God on Sundays. You come to know and understand God and the teachings of Jesus by attending a class where you wrestle, literally wrestle with the scriptures that you're dealing with or the works that are being used in the class. And you participate, but you will be enriched And you will be thankful for the participation of others as you work together to understand. Four, actively participate in the ministries that this church performs beyond its walls. We are the body of Christ. Our hands, our eyes, our feet are all needed in these ministries. We will have opportunities to serve together 
as a church in different situations in this coming year, volunteer and participate. It's not going to hurt you. It's not going to make you sick. It's not going to make you want to go home. Trust me, I know. I've always said a great way to get to know a church member is to stand shoulder to shoulder with them. Pound nails, mop floors, serve food. All in the name of Jesus Christ and in the service of God and being a part of our church family, the body of Christ. This year the opportunities will vary so that each one of us can participate in a ministry that we can be passionate about. In fact, today, right after this, not right after this service, 10 to 15 minutes after this service, you can discover just such a ministry that will create a passion in some of you that you will want to participate. So grab your coffee, grab your cookie, cookies, and head on over to Fellowship Hall. And hear about this great opportunity. And finally, we can combine beyond going beyond these walls with serving within these walls. Folks, this is an old building. Now, I know there have been many additions, but the, the building that we're sitting in right here was built in 1928 and 1929. It's 88 years old. That means this sanctuary has been around for a long time, gotten a lot of use and a lot of abuse. The hands of Jesus are needed to keep this magnificent building intact and continuing to reflect its true glory. Therefore, we will be having work days this year where you can come on down and work right here at this church in all different kinds of jobs. In fact, those days will begin very soon. There will be one on July 16th and on July 30th. Those are Saturdays. Gene Ogle will be available right out here on the terrace after the service to tell you more about you recognize to tell you more about all these work days and hopefully sign you up to serve with your hands, with your eyes, with your voice, with your feet, as the body of Christ here at this church. So today, right now, and in the coming months, we will have the opportunity to participate in being a part of the body of Christ that is the neighborhood church. We can be the eyes, the hands, the feet, and the mouth of Jesus serving others. The more we participate, the stronger we build up the body of Christ that is neighborhood church. And the stronger the body of neighborhood church is here, the more it can do and the more it can serve. What? An opportunity. No one can say that that's not a great opportunity. I must say, whatever you do, whatever you do, do not miss this opportunity. Amen.